RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. It's been about a month or so um, since we spoke to Bob McCroskey of Family First, Director of Family First, and he joins us again. Bob, welcome back to RCR. Paul, always nice to be back. Have you actually told everybody that many moons ago you were my program director on a summer radio station? I haven't revealed that. <laughs> but those were the days, weren't they? Those eh? were the days. Playing uh, playing well, 45 records on the beach at Mount Monganui. That's great right, job. right by the surf club. Yep. Gosh, they were great days and uh, beautiful weather and all the promotional stuff, right? All the chocolate bars, the Coke. I know. The, the um, what do we do? The ping pong drop. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It was, it was great times. And what would have been, what would have been some of the tracks we're playing back then? That would have been 80s, right? Mid-80s. Oh, we built the city by Starship. We built the um, city. The, uh, the walk, uh, what's the Dire Straits one? The walk of, um, the walk of life. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, Who's yeah. Zooming Who um, by um, Aretha. Aretha Frank, yes. Yeah, it's all coming back to me, mate. Stop. <laughs> the funniest part was the 45s where you had to scrape them backwards on the needle to yeah. line them up. You know, yeah, All those like- fancy operators in nightclubs, okay, they're really cool, but, hey, we were oh, doing that years they're before not, that. No, they're not up with us. No, no. I could um, could do yeah, By the time you finish with that, you do it with your eyes closed. and Yeah. Upside and, down or whatever. And, and and each of the advertisements on a little square track that you had to put in. Oh, those little machine. cartridges. Yeah. And you had to remember when they finished. Yep. Well, I know. You had gap. to concentrate far more. It wasn't this pre-recorded stuff where they're not even in the studios now, unlike you, of course. Yeah. Well, hmm. yeah. Those My, my uh, motor muscle memory is still as solid as ever from that, yeah. by the way. No shakes. I'm holding it up now. No shakes, nothing. <laughs> even with <laughs> I put the it down to that. Hmm. Um, no, those were those were great days. Thanks for reminding me, Bob. Mm. Okay, so a couple of things to talk about. First up, um, what's this this phone app beyond the birds and the bees? Is it what I think it is? Well, basically, anything that comes out of uh, university academics and supported by the government is dodgy. It's a it's a app called Te Pua Waitanga Beyond the Birds and the Bees, and it was developed by Canterbury University. Uh, now, you just have to look at who is behind it in terms of material. You've got Family Planning, Inside Out, the spin-off, Villainese, which is Lizzie Marvely, uh, the Burnett, Burnett Foundation, which is the formerly the AIDS Foundation, and then the funding comes from the University of Canterbury, uh, Kiwi Innovation Network, which is um, Ministry of Business and Innovation and Employment, which receives government funding, Pegasus, which is a Canterbury Health Group that receives funding from Tafatu Order and the Lottery Health Research. So basically, you and I are paying for it, Paul. And um, it it is effectively a phone app that indoctrinates our kids with the same ideology that is going into schools. So uh, lots of push on gender ideology. Now you're probably saying, well, how old do you have to be to access the app? When you go into it, a little pop-up says this is recommended for 12 years old and older but um, if you're younger it says well have a kōrero with your family Uh, I can just imagine all kids suddenly you know stopping looking on this website and rushing out to have a kōrero with their parents hey mum hey hey, dad is it right if I download yeah should I should I look at this material Uh, so what's the material well um uh, basically we start off with the first time and there is um advice on 
Well, actually, should I say this on radio? I mean, well, this is this, this is know. the worst part, Paul. Is that talking about this stuff is just would attract a broadcasting standards authority complaint, and yet they want to target it at kids as young as twelve and even younger. There's a section on fingering, hand job, oral oh, sex, right. anal okay. sex. You know, apparently twelve year olds need to know about that, uh, and PIV sex. Do you know what that is, Paul? No, I wouldn't have a clue. Well, you do actually. PIV is um, the way you make babies. It's penis and vagina. Oh, okay. sorry, <laughs> missed that. <laughs> I thought it said like some sort of plastic coating or something. I know. It's PVC. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then there's hot tips on keeping your sex toys clean. Uh, then there's full indoctrination of gender identity theory. Uh, there's a whole section on pronouns, of course, bisexuality, pansexuality, asexuality. Uh, aromantic demisexuality and then what, what, transitioning. Sorry, and, what's MB doing involved in this? Because they they fund the, they funded the latest research on Mount Taranaki's volcanic hmm. um, um, likelihood of, of blowing up. I can't see how have they got. Have they are they in everything? Well, it seems like you just go to any government group that sort of uh, buys into this ideology, and they're quickly to they're quick to give the money, and and it only pushes one side of it. It doesn't push anything like uh, abstinence, monogamy, virginity, uh, you know, faithfulness. It doesn't push anything like that. It's basically worst case scenario, and assuming that kids can't control themselves, and uh, so they just need to somehow maybe keep it safe. I mean, there's stuff on binding, medical transitioning vocal therapy and, and surgeries. What's yeah. bind? That's, that's for that's for females women, going uh, for to males, right? Girls who want to look like boys, so they bind their chest. It's very uncomfortable. Uh, and then, of course, they talk about basically body mutilation, which is, you know, um, mastectomies for uh, uh, I've for seen girls. some of the pictures of those. And oh, it's, it's shocking. It, it's just blew me out of the water. Um, mm. What is your view on why this, why, why there's a need to push and it is. It's pushing this. I mean, I've got three kids. I know what they were like when they're twelve. Mm. I wanted them still, like my parents would have wanted me, to be, you know, being children still. Then they didn't know, need to know about all this stuff. Why do you think these people involved in this feel the need to be so in your face, almost promoting this? Is it an expression of some kind of fetish or something? I I don't understand. What do you think? Well, I think they understand the concept that if you indoctrinate kids at an early age, then you've basically theoretically got them on board for life. And I mean, if you can lock kids into puberty blockers, uh, which always in virtually every case then leads on to cross-sex hormones and uh, body mutilation, then you've got a client for life. Uh, and so, you know, it's the indoctrination. They've realized that if they do it in schools, uh, then they build up the the so-called supporters in the community. The problem when is you say that, client for life, do you mean like a business relationship, like the uh, medical, this is a medi- conveyor well, belt medi- of of medical opportunity? Yeah, medical relationship. I mean, if, uh, I for our conference, I interviewed Chloe Cole, which is the uh, she's the eighteen year old who uh, uh, had uh, went on to puberty blockers when she was thirteen, fourteen, and then had a mastectomy at sixteen. Uh, and now she's regretted all that, said that she simply wasn't of the age where she could um, know the consequences. She's now infertile. She is she is permanently on medication. Great for Big Pharma, but a terrible for her, and all based on an ideology where she was sucked into believing that she could be the opposite sex, which, of course, is a complete myth. I mean, the whole 
born in the wrong body is a completely mythical statement with no credibility or science to to back it up. But this ideology is being pushed. And I was actually speaking uh, at a group uh, over the weekend where I just compared it to the way we treat uh, anorexia. You know, for a girl who thinks she's very fat, there's a disconnect between what she thinks and the physical reality of her body. So she's starving herself almost down to, you know, bone thin to where she's actually harming herself physically. But what she's th- what is she thinking? She thinks she's physically fat. Well, she sees it in the mirror. Yeah. And so there's a, uh, there's a disconnect between what she thinks and the reality. Now, how do we respond to girls that suffer with anorexia nervosa? Do we say, oh, here's some weight loss tablets. Let's book you in for a liposuction and, and say, yeah, no, you're right. You are, you are way too fat. Or do we heal the mind? And yet when a child says that they want to identify as the opposite sex, which is a disconnect of the mental from the physical, uh, we suddenly buy into it and say, oh, okay, start taking these pills, we'll delay puberty, and then when you get to the age, we'll chop off all your healthy body parts and pretend you're the opposite sex. It's just completely inconsistent, and it's, it is child abuse and it's child mutilation, and it's time it stopped. Those names that you just mentioned before and the uh, the various uh, backers of this app, Yeah, do you think they believe in what they're doing? really believe in what they're doing? Well, I mean, that would be the million-dollar question. Uh, they receive government funding, and unfortunately for any organisation that receives government funding, and Paul, we only need to look at the mainstream media, is to realise that when you receive government funding, you compromise uh, your principles uh, because often the money is is very powerful and very attractive, and you're willing to uh, make that compromise. It's, uh, it's Yeah, shocking. but that compromise is actually abusing children. Well, it is, and one day we'll wake up from this terrible experiment, but how many children will be harmed as a result? You know, and there's now this huge uh, rapid onset gender dysphoria, which is where children who have not been properly diagnosed but have been railroaded into gender affirmation, uh, which basically means transgender. So, you know, apparently we've banned conversion therapy, but there's still conversion therapy going on in New Zealand. It's just that it's towards transgenderism, uh, you can counsel a child to go towards changing their sex, but woe be tied if you ever, if a parent affirms their son as a boy or their daughter as a girl, then you could uh, be committing a crime of conversion therapy and be in jail from three, three years if you're a, a professional, five years. I mean, that's how ridiculous. They, they're having to force it down because it is so ridiculous. That's the only way they can indoctrinate it. And so these government groups are funding these types of apps, which most parents do not want. But this is kind of getting to a new level of sneakiness, in my view, because, as you know, children on phones, uh, it's, it's a very sneaky approach. It's difficult often for parents to monitor it. So I would encourage them to find a uh, internet provider that can help you block these types of apps. I've just uh, signed up for the good source. Uh, I've um, quite happily cancelled my Spark account and I've now signed up for the good source. And so I can block these individual apps and I can do them on individual phones of my three children, depending on which ones I want to. Yeah, well, you know, there'll be people listening right now thinking, I can't believe this. And uh, I, I'm just wondering when, when the backlash happens, because it will happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. Well, and I think be- that's, that's actually why I'm, I'm 
getting increased invites to uh, speak to parent groups. And this this week alone, I'm uh, hooking up with uh, Rodney Hyde to speak in Queenstown, and I'm hooking up with Peter Williams to speak in Wanaka because parent groups are inviting me to come and talk about this stuff. And they're basically saying parents simply aren't aware. And I think that's what government groups have done very well in the Ministry of Education and these activist groups. They've done it under the cover. They've, they've done it without parents being fully aware of what their children are being taught. They're told that every two years a school was, will consult with the community. Uh, I think, you know, and when you and I were at school, our parents sort of trusted the school and understood that we were on the same level and this type of stuff wasn't coming in. My message to parents is uh, you can't go on that basis. You have to check. You have to do a little bit of um, groundwork to make sure that your school isn't polluting your child's mind and, and, as you said, removing their moral innocence. Well, that's exactly it. And promoting a promiscuous uh, mm. approach to life, which we know what that ends in. Yeah, yeah. And that's why kids are stressed, because kids are being told that they can choose from 112 genders and more than 200 sexualities. I don't know about you, Paul. I think probably you were the same. When we were at school, all we wanted to know was who were we playing with at playtime and uh, what had mum and dad given us for lunch. I mean, well, we, weren't thinking, we weren't thinking about which gender are we and which sexuality we are. I, I think uh, I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> back to the first memory of anything I call sex education. It was informed to, and it was how chickens yeah. came about. And I think the idea was to show that there was a process to creating a life. Yeah. And yeah. we don't need to, I mean, this is what, 70s, uh, early yeah, early, mid-70s. Yeah, I was just going to say for that this is year eight. Uh, this is a boomer saying form two. This is year eight. Okay, eight. yeah, well, I can't get my head around. <laughs> it took me ages to even get to kilometres after miles. But um, what's that in miles? You know how people yeah. used to say. Um, yeah. But, you know, uh, so, it, so it, it kind of informed of the mechanism. So you were aware of how things happen biologically. Yeah. But that was it. You know, yeah. I would be comfortable if that was still it. Actually, the science, in age, other words, yeah, you know, and and the polling that we've done has found that parents are comfortable on teaching at the right time. The problem with the approach of the government is it's a one size fits all, and that simply is not where kids are at. Uh, as we know, girls can mature before boys, so boys are still, you know, um, just don't have the maturity to understand some of these things, and the girls uh, perhaps have. Uh, are more mature, um, have gone through puberty before the boys. And, and But what you're going, you're going into a classroom and you're giving all these concepts. And I mean, to think that at seven years old, we are telling kids that they can choose their gender is just shocking. When they get to intermediate school, they're being told that they can get confidential advice on sexual activity uh, and told where they can get that from. That's in the family planning curriculum that's in some intermediate schools. Can I ask uh, a very sensitive question of you, Bob? Mm. There might be is this a male driven or female driven agenda? Well, the problem is that I think it's coming from both sides because it's in an ideology more than anything. I mean, I do hear the word, for example, grooming, which is thrown around sometimes. I haven't quite bought into that. I think, yes, probably there are some 
um, deviant people who do like the concept of grooming. But in general, this is an ideology that has been pushed down. And often, it's, I mean, from family planning is certainly not a male organisation. No, it's and like, neither is the education system on No, uh, predominantly female. And, and so what are they So why are back? females doing this? They're think. pushing back against uh, the so-called um, traditional values of things like marriage and being born male and female, anything that even sniffs of Judeo-Christian values. That's really what the pushback is about. It's all about the new deity in town. Uh, for Christians, it's Agnes Day, the Lamb of God, a DEI. We now have a new DEI. It's called Diversity, Equity and Inclusion, and you must bow down to it or, or you'll be cancelled. And if, if we can't cancel you, we'll introduce hate speech laws to uh, deal with the blasphemy of not bowing down to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah. Is anyone thinking about how we deal with incredibly angry, resentful, oh, I can't find the words, um, people who have who've gone through this, seen what's been done to them, and are having trouble living with it later on? Are, are we? Do we have any ability to deal with that tsunami? No, that that is the concern, and unfortunately, it, it uh, the the wisdom comes later on. So the, the, that's the problem. If but they you can were, see the train wreck coming. You can just yeah, see it. And if they were targeting this information at at people over twenty who had the ability or some nous to make those decisions, well, you know, they let, already know all that, Bob. By the live time and let live. Yeah, the problem is that they're now going for six and seven year olds um, who are just so vulnerable, and it's going against all parental values. As well. So, I mean, that was the interesting thing, Paul, is that these groups that I'm going to, you know, they're not uh, Pentecostal Christian groups. Um, these are parental groups from the community that are concerned. Uh, I mean, you only need to talk to Rodney Hyde to, to, to say, you know, that this information just totally woke him up. He just simply was oh, not aware. I have had that conversation with yeah. Rodney. I know and, exactly. You know, he's really concerned. Why? Because he's got a vested interest in it because he's a parent. Yeah. And if this was happening to me, I mean, my kids are long grown up, but if this was happening to my kids right now, I'd be, I don't know what I'd be doing. I'd be, I'd be with you, certainly in one of those meetings for sure, yeah. minimum. Okay. So this connects on to the next thing I want to ask you about, because where are the politicians? Uh, I've heard Winston talking about it. Where are the um, political parties and and I've had David Seymour on before, and he didn't seem eh, not too concerned, you know, well, as long as they're having mm. fun, you know, was kind of the thing. I don't know if he thought that or he just hadn't thought about it and was kind of off-the-cuff comments. But uh, election coming up in under two months now. So mm. on the political front, do you see any anyone making a noise about this? And um, and And if they are, you can tell us about how you can sort of connect up and find out who those people are. Well, in terms of the uh, gender issue, uh, it's actually only Winston Peters who has made a noise and has come out with a policy for New Zealand First saying that, uh, you know, toilets will be biologically arranged, it'll be male or female, clearly delineated. There may be a unisex toilet as well, uh, and that will be the case in all public places. He's also spoken about sport being based on biology uh, so that you don't get these the ridiculous situations that we're seeing in some sports. Uh, in fact, one of the speakers at our conference um, two months ago was Deb Ackerson, who's one of Australia's best women's weightlifters, but she uh, had to compete against Laurel Hubbard, um, of course, a Kiwi biological male. So, uh, you know, she was talking about the unfairness in sport and just the difference 
between male and female, which we all know. I mean, we've all had this logic until about 13 minutes ago when suddenly everything was tipped upside down. Uh, and, and so in response to what Winston says, immediately the left, the Greens and uh, Te Pāti Māori and Labour just rubbish it and, and say all he's interested in toilets. In fact, well, that's Hipkins, what Luxon said too, to be fair. Yeah, and then, yeah, well, Chris Hipkins reiterated that. And then um, Christopher Luxon said the same. And uh, David Seymour's sort of been sitting on the fence. He does say there are concerns, but at the same time, he, he doesn't come down strongly on it. Uh, so we've actually developed a resource called Value Your... Is this the time to talk about this, Paul? Yeah, Value I want vote. to hear about this. Yeah, so it's a voting guide and we've put it out for every election. So this is our sixth election and basically we record the voting record of the sitting MPs on social conservative issues. So, for example, we've done the birth certificates, the gender identity um, um, in, in the birth certificates, the conversion therapy ban... Uh, the abortion law, the euthanasia law, legalizing drugs. Uh, we also cover the anti-smacking law, parental notification, uh, and there's other issues there, generally conscience votes around decriminalization of prostitution, raising the alcohol age, three strikes, even the hate speech laws. So, so we right. have the voting record, and then we've gone to the leaders of all the parties, and this includes the minor parties, or, the, or should I say out-of-parliament parties. So this includes... Uh, Democracy NZ, Freedoms NZ, Leighton Baker, New Conservatives, New Zeal. We did go to Liz Gunn, but um, she she wasn't she didn't give us a response. But so we've so we've basically got what have we got? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eleven party leaders, mm. and we've asked them their views on areas around marriage, abortion, uh, euthanasia, anti-smacking law, binding citizens initiated referendums and hate speech laws, um, parenting the whole gender identity issue um, and drugs and also some of those other issues, pornography, prostitution, alcohol, taxation of families, Easter trading, three strikes. And so you can see this as a grid. One of the other questions that we did was we asked the leaders, what is a woman? Um, <laughs> most, <laughs> most, most of the leaders were uh, pretty good on it. Um, the worst was, of course, Chris Hipkins because we all saw that one. Uh, Chris Hipkin, uh, Christopher Luxon said pretty simple adult human female, but then he did want to clarify further that there are a small number of people who identify with the gender that's different from the sex they had at birth. They need to be respected as well. Um, the Greens' uh, response was, well, what you'd expect from Marama Davidson. Uh, you'll have to read it. Yep. <laughs> um, so yep. this is all on valueyourvote.nz. And Look, I think quickly people will see, they may not see who to vote for, but they'll certainly see who to not vote for. Can you see patterns in it? Does it expose Oh, you can see patterns, and patterns. I think you see how uh, socially liberal the left-wing parties are, uh, which you'd expect um, of Greens, Labour and uh, Te Pāti Māori. But I think the other real eye-opener is actually how so socially liberal or not socially conservative National and ACT are. I mean, the fact that I mean, within it, there are pockets of social conservatism, but uh, if you look, for example, the whole of Parliament, 120 MPs voted unanimously to make birth certificates based not on biological sex, but that you can just choose whether it's male or female on your birth certificate now. That's kind of how uh, uh, we've crept left in terms of social conservatism. Is, in is that parliament. people who truly believe in in, in voting that way, or uh, is it the pressure of party politics? Worked, yeah, 
that's making the million, them do it. That's and the million if they're going question. against their consciences, that's kind of even worse, isn't it? Well, that was the irony of the anti-smacking law as well, that the whole of National campaigned against it, and then they were whipped, pardon the pun, by uh, John Key to vote for the anti-smacking law, which uh, we're now starting to see the uh, fruit of, and it's not a good fruit. Hmm. Crikey. Okay. Um, it's interesting to party on Māori. I always thought that Māori were conservative as a default. Yeah, I think on the whole area of abortion and euthanasia, they always tended to be. They, under, they understood kind of what they call the sanctity of life. Um, but um, it seems that at a political level, they are not socially conservative. Uh, certainly Tariana Turio was. Um, yep. She she uh, campaigned strongly against abortion and also against euthanasia, uh, but no, not not the current, not the current crop. And I think that would be true of national as well. But I think also Labour. Uh, many people turn up to the polls and have traditionally ticked Labour because they've always thought of them as the Workers' Party. You know, the David Longy Party who supported the uh, Pacifica community, the immigrants, and uh, was a lawyer very strong support in South Auckland for that reason. And so people still think they're voting for David Longy's party, but Labour have moved away from that radically, especially in the social conservative area. Um, there's certainly no longer, I think, what David Longy would have envisaged. Well, they're not the, that, the party of the worker. And No, and that was confirmed, I think, when uh, Chris Hipkins did his speech uh, last weekend when he said, you know, uh, basically he said what the two key policy planks were of the Labour Party uh, and they were that the workers get a fair go which I think is what you'd expect him to say and it was about the right to abortion. Apparently that's a key policy plank and defining feature of the Labour Party now is the right to kill the unborn child. Uh, that That's quite a move to the left from a party that many what I would call socially conservative Pacifica and other immigrant communities if they they don't realise that's what they're voting for, is that very strong um, uh, liberal left uh, agenda of, of the Labour Party. But is the National and ACT Party any more socially conservative? They're fiscally conservative. They believe in less government, for sure. But socially conservative? No, they're not. They've moved to the left. There are some pockets. But, for example, when you get a National MP being shut down and told to remove a post that celebrates a court decision about the unborn child from the states, you mm. quickly know that there is groupthink within the party, and that's that's quite concerning, especially on a conscience issue. Well, I don't think Mickey Joseph Savage would have been hanging out at Davos with the WEF, <laughs> i got a feeling. It's interesting what you say about abortion, because there's been that uh, story just the last week or so of the nurse who's been yeah. found guilty of killing the babies in the UK, which is yeah. horrific. And she's been sentenced to life, no parole, I think. Mm -hmm. Very rare sentence in the UK for killing, I think she was found guilty of seven, but there yeah. may be four or five others that that weren't proved. Mm -hmm. Now, <laughs> what's the, I mean, this is a, for some, this is going to be a clangor of a question. That's evil. And she, I think she even admitted that, that she kind of was evil. But what's the difference between that and then just shifting it back a few months and, exactly. and, and not calling it murder? There's a few abortion doctors that should be locked up in the same cell with her. What's your line in the sand, you know? Well, there's something that happens yours, in the birth but, canal that no politician or even scientist has been able to understand, that suddenly human rights 
there's not a single human right before the birth canal, but once you've passed through the birth canal, suddenly you have human rights. Nobody can quite figure out when that came into being, but that's the logic of the left. Well, there's only a few months in it, <laughs> in this case. If you well, there's want a couple of hours it. for some people giving labour of the birth canal. Um, you know, it's but, but, just... you know, before, it's, it's your body, your choice, and yes. it's murder. Yeah. And yeah. we've just seen that. So maybe people mm. should reflect on that uh, a- as well as a recent example of the real problem this is. Okay, so if people want to go and sort of look up the histories as you put them, yeah, uh, value your vote, how do they get to that website? Give us a domain name. Is all the information there or will you be, because we're real tight into the election, will there be more coming um, as people make pronouncements as, as we head towards the October date? No, it's all there because it's based on voting record, which you can't change, and it's also voted on the questionnaire that's been sent to the leaders. Uh, Interestingly, Paul, uh, for some of the leaders, they're a little bit inconsistent because their voting record is slightly different to what they're saying in the questionnaire. Short memories. So we've we've noted that. Um, But uh, no, it is uh, solid. We've got some translations as well. We've uh, uploaded uh, Chinese mainland and Chinese traditional. There's Korean coming. There's also Samoan, Tongan, Māori. Yeah. Uh, we're also getting Arabic and Urdu, uh, so wow. um, the Muslim community can um, access it as well. So it's valueyourvote.nz, very simple, valueyourvote.nz, and you can read it online, um, but also you can um, download the 12-page glossy pamphlet, and uh, you can also order copies of it, um, which we will send out for free, and we've already printed, well, we're just um, finishing the print run of 75,000, so... And I think we may need to order more. So no, they are going out like hotcakes. People, people are appreciating it. And and look, Paul, it's really important. We don't tell people who to vote for or not to vote for, but we do think an informed voter is important, and that people should vote for politicians who value what they do. So uh, it, it's really just an educational tool that helps helps people come to that decision. But in terms of which party to vote for. Well, I don't know about you, Paul, but it feels like you're holding your nose every time you go to the polling booth these days because there's nobody really that ticks all the boxes. Um, I think you're right on that. I, yeah. I was even thinking of maybe sitting it out this time. I'm sorry yeah. to say, but, you know, it's the conscience thing, you know. Uh, yeah. Well, but, I, I think there needs to be a strategic vote in determining yeah. uh, do we keep going in the same direction or does it need to change? I think that's the million-dollar question that people need to ask as well as saying, you know, do they vote for a party on principle or do they vote strategically? Um, that's the problem with the wasted vote, uh, you know, in terms of the high threshold of 5%, which is hugely high. I mean, you know, you've got people like Kim.com and uh, Colin Craig and uh, who was the uh, top guy? Um the trade me guy. Um, oh, um, um, Morgan. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got them. I mean, they put in, uh, you know, millions of dollars to try and get to the five percent. They just couldn't. It is very, very difficult. Um, I think we know we we know why it's five percent, Bob. Yeah, well, that's right. Uh, and politicians voted for that, didn't they? I mean, yeah, you that, can't have the club being expanded <laughs> too much. <laughs> Right. Which is why why I believe in uh, binding referendum because I think uh, we need a level of accountability which we don't have in New Zealand because we don't have the upper house uh, and we don't you know I'd I'd be scared of extending the voting parliamentary term to four years for that exact reason um, we we really only get a chance to change things every three years and um, and the last look what election, can happen in three years well that's right. Uh, 
I mean, that's interesting, Paula. I am still, as a political pundit, I am still amazed at how quickly and dramatically the political star of Jacinda Ardern dropped from being worldwide and even in New Zealand lauded as, you know, one of the best prime ministers and how quickly that star dropped to the point where nobody even barely talks about her. Now, it, it's been quite amazing to watch, actually. Yeah, um, interesting point. It, it seems to me like job done, see you later. Um, or, popularity really had nothing to do with it in the Or end. I saw the writing on the wall. Well, and, and that as well. Mm -hmm. But popularity yeah. wasn't the thing. It was getting the, that particular job done. Mm. Yeah. Um, was the job done? I mean, that's the concern, I think. Well, we've been done ways, over. <laughs> I feel a bit sorry for Chris Hipkins because he inherited a train wreck. and he's Well, he was there right with there with her. Well, well, he created it as well. Quite yeah. Yeah, fair point. So too. he's part of the train wreck. And, and that's yeah. what a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of the stuff in the education system, he was Minister of Education for about four or five of those years, uh, infiltrating a lot of this material. So so, I, so either he he's all in or yeah. he was powerless to stop it. Yeah. So I don't know uh, which one that is. No, I think they're working together, to be honest. I think there was a team effort on this one. Yeah. Mm. Okay, well, um, thanks, Bob, for coming on again. Nice to relive those old days at Mount Maunganui. I wasn't All expecting good. that. Um, must be a few old photos around somewhere. Eh? We'll see if we can find them. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll put them up online somewhere. Yeah. Bob McCroskey from Family First. Thanks for coming on RCR again. We'll chat again, I'm sure. Thanks, Paul. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.